down on both hands My down and ride till the day I die Friends, to give them I like to think That I'm few and far between Guys like me, you born in an alleyway What's up everybody? I'm probably the world's worst podcaster But this is Backwoods Life Podcast And I'm Michael Lee I would call me your host, but I'm the only one on here, so there's not really a host. I'm just the guy on the microphone. So it's April the 1st, and like I said, I'm, I'm probably the most inconsistent podcast person on the planet, and I apologize for that, but that's welcome to my life. I wish that podcasting was all I had to do for the most part, but I don't see that happening in any foreseeable future. So I hope everybody else is doing good. Turkey season has kicked off here in Georgia on the 20th of March. We've already knocked a few down, had a good time, opening weekend. My dad and I both tagged one opening day. Kevin tagged one uh, Monday uh, after opening day. And then dad tagged out at the farm. He killed two more later that week. So it's like, all right, now dad, what are you going to do? He said, well, I'm going fishing. Well, that's what you can do when you're retired. We should all be so lucky, right? And that's what I want to talk about today on today's podcast was my dad. I know if you've listened to the last couple of podcasts, you've heard about my grandfathers and the influences they've had on my life. And now we're going to talk about Big Mike. And I don't, I'm going to try to keep this podcast short, like 20 minutes or so, like I always do. But I really need about 500 of these things to tell all the Big Mike stories in my life. But I won't bore everybody with all those. So growing up in South Georgia... I pretty much don't know life without hunting or fishing in it. It's ever since I was two years old, what Dad told me, I caught my first bass. and I remember fishing a lot more uh, when I was younger than I did hunt. And as I got older, I progressed into the hunting part of things, which is now, you know, a huge part of what I do every day, every week, every hour. <laughs> um, <clears throat> pays the bill, so to speak, right? <clears throat> With all that being said, growing up in the South, you know, it, it, kind of where I was grew up, hunting and fishing wasn't really like the cool thing to do. Not many people did that that I grew up with. And, you know, in school and stuff like that, my friends did a little bit. Uh, I, I introduced some of my friends to it. And, you know, that's, that's a pretty cool thing to do with anybody nowadays. But, you know, hunting's grown in popularity, I believe, is from the time I was young until now. And that's good. I mean, that's great for our future as, as hunters and fishermen and women and just enjoying the outdoors conservation wise and everything like that but that all has to start somewhere and so mine started with my dad uh, like I said fishing when I was just a little guy growing up you know fishing farm ponds we grew up on Lake Blackshire which is in kind of south central Georgia and uh, Crisp County right outside of Cordial so we um, literally lived across the road from Lake Blackshear. my grandparents lived on Lake Blackshear like the physically uh, house yard was touching the lake. So I was I was fishing all the time. We had a pond by the house, and that was probably one of the easiest, cheapest things to do, especially growing up. Didn't grow up and have a ton of money, nothing like that. We had enough. We had enough to get by. But hunting and fishing was a staple of our livelihood, if you will, um, from putting meat in the freezer and fish and stuff like that. So a big part of it. And my dad, <clears throat> from as far back as I can remember, he was a bass fisherman, and he, I grew up in the time where he was tournament bass fishing a lot. So I remember on the weekends, he's you know here and there all over Georgia and some you know Alabama stuff like that. 
hitting these different lakes and fishing in these tournaments and you know winning enough extra money or whatever I, I don't really remember all those details but he did pretty good he um fishing this tournament trail series called red man which was two in the back of but they sponsored this tournament trail and I know one year dad won Alabama and Georgia points championship, which I don't know if anybody's done that before. They probably have, but that's a pretty big feat back then. You got to go to these different uh, All-Americans is what they called it, where I think they went to uh, Hawaii one time. I don't know if that was All-American or just something else, points champion thing. They went to Hawaii bass fishing. He went to like Lake Havasu, Arizona. I think they went out there bass fishing. I remember one time I went up with them to, to Arkansas uh, big tournament up there. That, I mean, those are some of my earlier memories growing up, and I'm, I'm not really that sharp on them because I was literally probably 8, 10, 12 years old in that in that ballpark. And then as I got older, you know, kind of did my own thing a little bit more. And then I got into fishing with him. We fished tournaments together. We won a few, had a good time, and I, I have a lot of good memories there. I remember one, one, the first, one of the first tournaments we fished in, well, I, it was Saturday on Lake Blackshear, and, and Dad comes busting in my bedroom. He's like, get up, we got to go. I was like, what? We get up. And usually when you're in a bass tournament, you take take off like everybody in their boat leaves the boat ramp, goes out and starts fishing at, at daylight. There's not a set time. It's just, okay, when everybody can safely see, then they say, okay, y'all y'all go ahead and go. And you, go, you, know, you have a boat number one, two, three, whatever, and you go fish. And then you come back in like 3 o'clock. Well, Dad comes busting in my room. He's like, man, we're running late, and, you know, we get things, and everything's all together. We just haul butt to the boat ramp, and it's daylight. Like, everybody's gone, and we're getting there just as the people putting on the tournament are like, yeah, y'all go ahead and go. Y'all are okay. So we go out, shoot, run out of a state park right there at Lake Blackshear, run across to a spot, just throw the trolling motor down, start fishing. And it was like my first cast. I caught one that weighed like six pounds which is, you know, that's a great fish to start off a five or seven, those five or seven fish tournament back then you have a limit of either five or seven and the heaviest five or seven uh, win, wins the tournament, obviously. So <clears throat> but the first, like, first cast, I catch one like six pounds. So like, well, that's a good way to make up for lost time, right? So anyway, we, we scratched around the rest of that day and we caught a bunch of fish. We won that tournament. And I remember <laughs> Dad is one of those, when he's fishing, or back then anyway, now he's gotten a little older and slowed down a little bit, but it's still the same way, I believe. Uh, when he's fishing, you literally have to take him something to drink, take him something to eat, because he will not put that fishing rod down. Every minute that you're fishing, especially in a tournament, he is focused in on catching the fish. And I remember we'd sit out there, and it didn't matter if it was 90 degrees, 40 degrees, whatever it was. I mean, we were going to be out there all day till time to go weigh in, hard at it no breaks i mean i'd take a break i'd just sit there and give me something nice dude i gotta sit down for a minute i gotta chill out and i mean i was a lot younger than too so i didn't understand the magnitude of the i guess it's like being in a, in a ball game you, you don't you don't take a break in the middle of you know a play so uh, i guess that's kind of the mentality you got to have to be successful at that so anyway, we, we grinded hard and we won a few fishing tournaments like that and um i remember one the one tournament we did quit early we were at Lake Ufallover on the Georgia-Alabama line. And it was so freaking cold. I mean, like a, a, a freaking front came through that night. The next morning it was, I don't even know, it, was, it had to be in the 20s. It was cold as it could be. And we were running down this lake. It was rough. I mean, rough, rough. And we are hitting these waves and, you know, sprays coming over. And I'm toughening out, man. I close my eyes. I'm layered up, 
tighten down, tuck down. We get to this bridge, it's about halfway to where we were going. And dad looks over at me and I'm literally covered in a sheet of ice. Like the, my house exterior is nothing but a sheet of ice. I'm sitting there looking at him like, it's cold, man. <laughs> and he stopped. He's like, we're not going any further. And we turned in, went in this one slew. I think we caught one fish. And uh, we looked at him and was like, that's not going to win the tournament. Is it? <laughs> so we threw him back and we went to the house. We just went loaded up and went on back. It, it was terrible. And uh, I think that was one of those where we pushed our limits. We tried. And then um, I think dad realized there are some times in these competitive nature that you don't push yourself too far. So that was a, I, I don't know, I was probably, uh, I was probably in my late teens, early 20s or something like that when that happened. And uh, I don't think we fished another tournament since then. <laughs> no, we may have, I don't remember, but. That was so cold. It was in March, I think. March or April, I can't remember. It was terrible, though. But <clears throat> that's where I learned to fish. That's, that's, and, and whether Dad knows it or not, and I don't know if he'll listen to this or not. He's not a podcast kind of person. But that's where I learned a lot of my, I guess, uh, I won't call it stubbornness because stubborn means you, you won't budge, you won't give at all, I guess. And in, in this case, I learned that um, you don't quit until you know it's time. And uh, I haven't quit many things in my life, that's for sure. Job-wise, sports-wise, you know, anything like that. I just knew when it was time to stop and do something else, maybe move on to something else. And, you know, we all need a mentor in our lives like that that, you, you learn so much that you don't know you've ever learned until it, it kicks in. You know, if you've been around somebody a bunch, I, and it, it could be anybody, your family, friends, whatever, that you look up to, you learn a lot from. And, and I think, I, and, and when it goes to hunting, I learn a lot of my, my hunting strategies and, and, you know, from stand placement to, you know, just little, these little detailed things that you can't, wake up one day and read about them and learn them you have to physically do it you have to execute it to understand how these things work and i'm hard on myself anyway i mean i'm a perfectionist or you know ocd and and all those fun terms Uh, i like things the way i like things and have my comfort zone and and i don't like to be out of that but you got to make yourself uncomfortable sometimes to learn but what what dad taught me was on hunting stuff, you have to be able to adapt. And then that's, it's kind of one of those things where you have to have all these tricks in your playbook, right? So you're, you have to throw Hail Marys from time to time. You have to learn and adapt. And it's different. And I've learned all over the country. So what works here in South Georgia, maybe, doesn't work in Missouri. And some things do. Um, but it's, it's learning those little details and having somebody to teach you all that I mean, just strategy-wise and, and things like that. I mean, finding spots to hunt and then having the mental capacity to not give up on what you know is going to work. Sticking it out. And I think, honestly, that's why uh, I've had a lot of my success, and especially turkey hunting. I, I mean, deer hunting deer hunting. You know, you, you, you can set everything up, but then you got to kind of wait on them to come to you for the most part. I mean, you can call deer in and get lucky on that. Sometimes it doesn't work much here in Georgia, but... You know, other parts of the country it does. But with turkeys, like, you have, you, you can sometimes make things happen. But what I've learned is patience, for sure. And that, that goes into this time of the year. 
you know, dad taught me a lot about you don't have to go after turkeys. A lot of people like to chase them, and, and, and I'm not saying that don't work. I love doing that in the right environment. I mean, I just like going, okay, he gobbled, let's kill him. Or let's bounce over here, okay, that one gobbled. But see, so you educate a lot of birds that way, too. If you run up out there and you call somewhere, they come in quiet, or you get busted, or, you know, you stand up to leave right when they're coming in and didn't make a sound. You know, there's an education factor there with your birds. But anyway, the the <laughs> the thing like that is just, just like this past, past opening day. Dad and I hunted that morning, and, and Dad and I, Kevin, and our friends Philip and Anna were all at our camp over there. And um, Kevin and Dad and I kind of rode around, and we did some chores the day before, you know, maintenance thing, checking trail cameras, and we checked different spots for, for scouting stuff. And we rode by this one spot. And sure enough, it had rained that Thursday night. So that Friday, uh, we are over there looking before the season started, and we found this one spot, and boom, there's strut marks that were had to, had to be made that morning. And I said, Dad, this is a good spot. Usually there's a lot of turkeys around here, but they travel through this intersection a lot. And here's some strut marks. So we know there's a gobbler in here. And he's like, well, this is where we're going to see it. I said, okay, cool. So we get up that morning. We sit there. The wind's blowing when we get up and we get in the woods and it's like the clouds went away. The wind died and the sun came out and birds just started hammering. So you know you're in the ball game. And we could tell some of them were, you know, pretty close to us. So we're just waiting it out, waiting it out. And finally, you're calling, and you know, get, get one answer here and there. And then some hens come in, and this gobbler comes in, struts in the ex almost exact same strut marks as he did the morning before. And we and Dad, Dad, Dad shoots him. Uh, 22 yards with the 410. So cool. Man, everything worked. We, we, we saw that. We scouted. We got there, set up, did everything we could do to make things happen. And, but we had to be patient to let things happen, too. We didn't go after him. He came to us. So I call that deer hunting turkeys, and it does work a lot, just like the, that afternoon. We're at the camp, and the wind is blowing like crazy. It's pretty chilly outside. Like, I don't think you could hear a turkey gobble unless they were standing right in front of you. So we go to Antler King food plot, beautiful food plot. The deer have just been hammering, and the turkeys have been in all since fall. And I was like, this is just a spot we're going to go sit, put out the decoys, do some calls, you know, over a couple hours or whatever, just see what happens. And we decided we we're going to sit there from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. because after 6, Dad wanted to go try to shoot a hog because we've got a few of them running around. So with all that being said, we're sitting there. And we've been there, and I mean, I'm calling a little bit. We've seen a few hens pop out at the other end of the food plot, you know, 150, 200 yards away. They're just feeding across and going in the woods. Probably seen four or five. And then... Uh, I text our Philip and Anna, our Philip and, and Dad and Kevin were all in group text, and Kevin stayed back at the camp, was working on his side-by-side uh, -side and fishing. Yeah, who does that on a day of turkey season? Come on, Kevin. So we're we're sitting there, and I, I text them. I say, okay, five more minutes, and we'll we'll go. And sure enough, like right on five-minute later mark, Dad looks down the power line and goes, well, I'll be dang. I'm like, well, what? He said, here comes a gobbler. Just as cool as a cucumber, like, oh, here comes a gobbler. And sure enough, here comes this gobbler down this food plot. Comes in, hits the decoys about 70 yards out. He starts strutting. Does a half moon circle around. I scratch in the leaves a little bit, give him a little soft yup. He drops strutting. He comes right to the decoy, blows up. Struts around the decoy one time. I shoot him, boom, he, he's laying there dead as a sack of hammers. All because we were patient. We sat there. We didn't do much. We, we're in a good spot. But see, all that... As Dad always taught me, 
luck is when preparation opportunity meet. I'm sure he didn't come up with that, but that's, that's something I've heard a bunch over the years. We prepared that spot. We created an opportunity. And luck presented itself by that turkey coming into the decoys. We did the work. He did the rest. Perfect, perfect scenario of being patient and knowing your property, learning, you know, what these critters do and where they're going to be and being there ahead of them and being patient. And did we run around the property calling all day in the wind and all that and bumping birds? No, we didn't do any of that. We got out of there, went back in, set up and waited. It's not a exciting way to hunt by any means, but it works. That's how we kill a lot of turkeys here in Georgia because... Being where a turkey wants to go is something that I've learned is better than where a turkey used to be. So if you hear one gobbling and you're going to him, and if he's not coming to you, then you're hunting behind him. That's not going to work a lot of times. It will sometimes, but if you know where he's going to go and you can be there ahead of him, it don't matter if you're the best caller or the worst caller, he's probably going to come in there and you're going to get a shot anyway. So learned a lot of things like that over the years. I mean, that's that's been... You know, dad's mentality is, let's just go be patient in the woods. Let's enjoy being in the woods. I think I think he just likes to wake up and just sit by a tree or in a tree. Which now he's gotten older, he likes some redneck blinds pretty good. So <laughs> being comfortable has got a lot to do with it. But just sitting there in the woods, I think, is the way, you know, you find a little bit of peace in there. You have a few talks with God here and there if you want to. Kind of figure things out sometimes. Let stuff come to you. Uh but, I mean, I, I guess his mentality is, is if I'm going to just sit somewhere and do nothing, it might as well be in the woods where I might see a deer or a turkey. And I think that's a big lesson to learn. And I think that's probably one of the things that we get away from a lot from hunting standpoint is we're too busy worrying about what we need to be doing instead of worrying about what we're doing, if that makes any sense at all. You, you need to kind of do everything right here, right now, because all of that, Preparation is could be created that opportunity right now at this moment instead of thinking about the next opportunity. And I'm bad about that. I'm bad about not putting the cart before the horse, but you're already thinking about this afternoon and why you're sitting in the stand this morning. Well, think about this morning and enjoy that. You know, enjoy that hunt. Enjoy that. Get that if that bird's gobbling this morning, don't think about how you're going to kill him this afternoon. I'm terrible about that. I do that all the time. I'm already thinking about what we're going to do tomorrow morning if we don't kill one this morning. And that's... Don't worry about tomorrow, right? It's got today's got enough to worry about. So, with all that being said, I know that didn't hit on a lot of Big Mike stories, but I've, I guess I've learned so much. It's kind of hard to paraphrase that into about twenty minutes or so. So, you know, maybe on my next podcast here, I'll go. I'll just make a list of of Big Mike stories because I can go and gosh, I got a bunch of funny ones. We had a good time heading to the farm actually tomorrow for the weekend is Easter. So I hope you all are spending that with family and friends and maybe getting out there and chasing a turkey of seasons in where you're at, having a good time, visiting with everybody. Don't let time get by. Make sure you take take some of that time and enjoy it. Don't worry about working or worrying about hunting too much, which I don't think that's such, that's such a thing, but sometimes it is, I guess. But Anyway, remember what the reason of Easter is for. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ died on the cross so we could be forgiven for our sins. And then he rose. Don't forget that. Y'all have a good weekend. And hopefully, I can do this thing again next week and I don't forget. Not that I forget. I'm just a busy guy. But Kevin and I will be in Texas next week hunting 
with uh, Texas Brand Outfitters, our buddy Mike Ryan. Mike actually sent me a trail cam picture of four gobblers yesterday. He's got in one spot. So hopefully we can go get on these guys and make some Texas Rios famous for y'all to watch. Y'all check out Backwoods Beards on YouTube. Check out our website, backwoodslife.com. We, we post all our hunts, uh, our short series stuff on there. Make sure you watch us on My Outdoor TV app, Hunt Channel, Sportsman's Channel, Saturdays at I think it's either 2 or 3 p.m. Eastern time right now for uh, until third quarter starts this summer, and then our new episodes will roll out. So check it out. We've got a Roku channel. You can watch everything on there, too. It's Backwoods Life. Have a great day. Have a great weekend. We appreciate every one of you. Can't stop me